lo local food production is good for the economy. So if, um, if, if you value that food in your community and you spend your money with a local firm that enables that local firm to exist, that enables the owners of that firm to keep their jobs, maybe that comes back to you, they, su they support you somehow. That was Jesse and Charles with Wismical Firms, our guest on today's episode. Stay informed, get involved. Welcome to the Great Amber's Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Cameron. Welcome back to the Great Amber's Podcast, everybody. Uh, I'm so happy uh, to share the interview that I did with uh, Jesse Wismick and Charles Ryan with Wismical Farms, located on in Amherst Shore. My wife and I have signed up uh, for their organic veggie box for the last few years, and actually their son and our daughter uh, are the same age and have ended up in a lot of the similar programs. So I've known and I've met Jesse and Charles through those through those two ways, uh, and I wanted to talk with them and share their journey and their story about why and how they decided to come back and start a firm. It's not a common career choice or career path for people, but I, I was interested in this. Um, I think this is also really important as we start looking at strengthening our communities. Uh, also, having seen our border to New Brunswick close and the border to the U.S. close, there's a question about uh, food chain and food delivery and food supply. I wanted to learn more about why they did it and how they did it and, and if they had suggestions for people who were thinking about the same, doing the same sort of thing. So we talked a lot about a lot about that. We talked about how you can sign up for their, uh, pro their veggie box delivery uh, or if you want to get any other services or products from them. Uh, there's a lot. I'll post some links to their website and their contact information in the show notes. And so just a couple housekeeping things uh, before we carry on. We did this interview back probably middle of May. Um, so I don't think things have changed too much on their end, but there may be some things slightly different. So any other con questions, please contact them, let them know. I also have to apologize I for my sound quality. I did something and didn't get my mic recording. So I sound a little bit distant and a little bit uh, hollow. So again, I apologize. One last thing before we get to the interview. Uh, this is something I've wrestled with for quite a while, and that's the, the behavior of a lot of the big social media companies, Facebook, who also owns Instagram and WhatsApp. Uh, there's a campaign going on right now. Uh, it's hashtag stop hate for profit, which is asking advertisers to pull back on spending their ad dollars on Facebook, Instagram, and any of, any of the related companies for the month of July, if not longer. I, I'm going to do a longer kind of talk about why I'm thinking this, but I'm going to join in. Uh, I don't do a lot of advertising on Facebook, so I'm definitely not going to do any. But I'm also going to uh, step back from Facebook, Instagram, anything that they own for at least the month of July. So as of Wednesday, July 1st, um, the page will still be on Facebook, but I won't be posting anything new. If you want to stay up to date, uh, a few ways you can do it. Um, subscribe for our email newsletter at uh, tjpod.com slash subscribe subscribe to the podcast on apple podcasts uh, you can also follow us on linkedin or twitter um, i'll talk a lot more about it but here's just one quick thing so yesterday friday june 27th facebook changed a rule saying that they would no longer allow politicians to micro target people using hate speech so that sounds good um it also means that before that, politicians could tar micro-target 
consumers and people using hate speech. So I'm going to join in on the boycott and on this protest for at least the month of July. And later on in the month, I'm going to revisit uh, my decision on how I want to move forward. And now here's our interview with Jesse and Charles. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Great Amherst podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Andrew Cameron, and today I'm pleased and excited to be joined by uh, Charles Ryan and Jesse Wisnick. Uh, so, Charles, welcome. Jesse, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Okay, so Jesse and Charles started Wisnickel Farm, a certified organic mixed vegetable farm on the beautiful Northumberland shore in 2010. Uh, my family and I, we've been getting the veggie basket from uh, Charles and Jesse for the last two years. And uh, their oldest son and our daughter are the same age, and we end up in the same and similar like kids' programs. So I kind of got to know them a bit from that. And I also, two other reasons I want to talk to them was um, my wife grew up on a dairy farm outside Fredericton. So I have a bit of a theoretical understanding of what the farming life is and what it entails. So I'm kind of interested in the decisions that led to choosing this life. And I think coronavirus also kind of brings up some of the issues we may have relying on big food chains. And uh, maybe there's a shift to more local food, local food growing uh, food locally. So kind of those are a couple of thoughts on why I want you to come on today. So uh, I guess I want to start with Jesse and Charles. How's the season going so far? What's what's growing? What's what do you have happening so far? Yeah, well, uh, so far the season's been pretty good uh, weather-wise. We've had some rain and sun and not too disproportionate of a measure. And Not an early June frost this year? Or uh, I guess we're well, not there yet. <laughs> that remains to be seen. Hopefully not. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so our, our initial seedings of, like, you know, peas and, and uh, beets and carrots and stuff have all germinated really well and, and that's uh that's half the battle so so far it's it's looking good yeah perfect excellent so you're just in the the seating spot i i think i saw or somewhere that you have a big you do have a big greenhouse that you start stuff in early in the spring is that correct uh, yep we we have several greenhouses and uh, we just put up uh, another um 30 by 100 foot structure uh this spring so it's all planted and uh yeah we it it helps us have crops in uh you know in the shoulder seasons and uh some crops like spinach uh throughout the winter mm. yeah that sounds good i'm looking forward to uh when this starts but so can you tell us more about sort of the farm like what how many people are on your team helping you at the farm? What's can you fill us in a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, yes. So uh, uh, Charles and I work on the farm. Charles uh, manages uh, the the production end. I um, focus more on the sales and the the harvesting. Um, and then we have, uh, we'll have three employees this year. Um, we've teamed up with uh, Colleen Freak, who is working with 
good time farm last year in Pugwash. So um, yeah, good, good time is, is no longer um, going to be in Pugwash this year. So we're, we're expanding into Pugwash with, okay. with Colleen. So what was good time farm? Were they, were they another farm or did they sell vegetables or? Yeah, they, they were another um, small vegetable farm uh, similar to our own and uh, located close by, um, but they've, uh, yeah, they've moved on to other projects. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. And so the three employees, are they, what role do they fill? Are they in the, are they helping with harvesting? Are they driving the tractors? What, what do they, what roles do they fill? Yeah, they do uh, whatever, whatever really needs doing. Um, uh, just uh, Colleen uh, is um, comfortable driving the tractor, so uh, most of the tractor work is is done by myself. But uh, they do the uh, Colleen does most of the greenhouse work right now, and um, Lucy uh, um, is uh, our go-to person for anything that just needs doing uh so all the planting and weeding and harvesting and uh, uh, the greenhouses uh, require uh, you know daily uh you know maintenance and for ventilation and and temperature control and watering and and uh, she looks after all of that so um yeah she's uh, uh johnny on the spot yeah that's the farm life isn't it everybody's got to do whatever needs to be done to keep to keep things growing, to keep things going. That's, that's just how it goes, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. That's right. It's, um, things have to be done at certain times. And, uh, so you have to, you have to do them when they need doing. Yeah. So I do have to ask what kind of, uh, what kind of tractors do you have out there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, we're, we're, a, we're a small farm, so we use a tractor for some, some major operations. Um, like uh, preparing our seed beds and applying compost. Um, but we do the majority of the work by hand. Um, we use hand tools and um, push like uh, hand. Hand plows and things? No, no. no hand, no <laughs> hand plowing, no. Not that far no, back? But no, yeah. no. <laughs> no. <laughs> we're just in the, uh, we're in the late 60s, you know, we're in the, it's a, uh, we have a, Massey Ferguson 135, which is a, a basic basic tractor that can do a lot of things. I, and, uh, I was yeah. going to say, I think some of the feedback that I've heard is the tractors from that era, and I think maybe my father-in-law, like they don't, they still don't have any cows. They don't have any cows up on the farm, but they still live up there. And so he has an older tractor because he can fix it. He doesn't have to get in and try to get a computer to work again. He can just fix the tractor. Yeah, the yeah, they're they're pretty pretty basic. Um, yeah. yeah, so it, it's great great for us. Yes. So I am curious, like going back to it, can you tell us about what was the decision? How did you? What was the process to make the decision to say, okay, let's go to the Northumberland Shore and let's start a farm? Yeah. Well, it was sort of a. a um, a culmination of a couple factors. Uh, one, at the time, we were living in Halifax, and we both had been there for several years, and we were looking for just a change. 
and uh, two, my family is is from this area. I have an aunt and a grandmother in in Shinagas, and uh, um, so there was that. And also, we we also both had friends who worked on farms. Um, and Jesse worked at a an organic food box uh, delivery service, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so um, so yeah, with all all of that together, sort of led us to Cumberland County and to um, yeah to imagine what it might like be like to start a farm. Yeah. So Charles, did you grow up? Like in the Shinvacas or in the area, or? Yeah, I grew up outside of Amherst in West Amherst, and I went to Amherst High School and junior high, and uh, used to be a little elementary school in Napan called Jonathan McCulley. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, it's gone too. And because Jesse, you're you're from like outside, like Ontario way, aren't you? Yes, I'm from Hamilton. Okay. So, I guess who brought up the idea first on saying let's let's go back and start a farm, or was it a sort of a joint discussion? Yeah, we we were both we were both uh, interested in doing it. I um, it was it was a long time ago. I, I don't really remember if there was an initiator. <laughs> I remember. I do remember in in two thousand eight there was a, a terrible hop shortage because a, a big warehouse had burnt down with like a, I don't know a third of the world's hop storage crop anyway and so there was a young guy in the valley who uh, started a small hop yard and I went to visit him on his first harvest and, and uh, yeah that that kind of showed me what uh, you know something that somebody could do in their backyard that was uh, potentially, potentially supporting, you know, and uh, so, so I think that's that's how I got the idea, or that's where I got the idea from. Was from uh, what's his name, Josh Herbin. Yeah, yeah. Who later started uh, North Brewery. Uh, okay. In Halifax. That makes a lot of sense. So. What when you first started out? What was did you have a goal in mind? Like, was it to feed your family? Did you want to sell to markets? Did you have a remember what the initial goal was? Yeah, we we wanted a um, like a commercial farm. We were interested in uh, direct marketing approaches. We were interested in being small. Um, we were interested in organic growing, and um, yeah, that was what we have tried to to do. Yeah, I think ten years later, I think you're you're, you're still well on the path. So, how was the? What did you do for the first season for for the first harvest? Is what type of video? We um, yeah, we. We didn't have a lot of uh, direct experience or resources um, when we began. So we worked part-time on another organic veggie farm in the area. And we also 
Um, we were also on the self-employment benefit program, um, mm. and that was a big help to us. Uh, That's sort of CBDC, right? Is that that program? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So what, do you remember what was the first, what was the first crop that you decided to plant? I don't know. <laughs> I don't really, probably no. a couple of them, but lettuce was probably one of them. Yeah. Tomatoes. Tomatoes. Lots, lots of different uh, tomato varieties. Yep. Carrots, cauliflower. I remember cauliflower being one of their first crops that we actually harvested and took to market. Yeah. So that, how, I guess that was the thing, when the first time you took the, the cauliflower to market and sold it, how were you, how were you feeling? <laughs> <laughs> On top of the world. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it was great to have something to sell, but, uh, um, yeah, pretty, um, the realities of, of trying to support yourself by growing vegetables quickly came into focus, um, when, when we only had a small garden and, uh, you know, a few crops that worked out and, and many crops that didn't. So, so yeah, it was, it was exciting and frightening. <laughs> That sounds like the standard uh, feeling for all everybody starting a small business. Uh, I I will say one thing I learned. I think it was last year, the year before, and maybe you can tell everybody else a bit about more about this. But I learned a whole lot about Brussels sprouts. We're getting the vegetable box from you guys last year. Like I, I or maybe I just never really thought much about Brussels sprouts, but I had no idea how they grew or what they grew on. It was shocked the week we showed up and, you know, so, and they grow on basically a pretty big, thick stock. That's right. Yeah. They're, they're like little tiny cabbage balls on a big cabbage tower. And yeah, they, it, it surprises a lot of people, uh, to see them, uh, you know, growing because normally you only see them in the grocery store and they're, they've been picked off the stocks by then. So, um, yeah, I'm. I'm glad. Uh, glad we could uh, yeah, show you <laughs> how that one grows. So I'm curious, like, like, if you look back, like, so what? So the way I sort of phrase this question is, you know, what would current Jesse and Charles tell to, you know, Jesse and Charles from 2010? Have you thought about what something you'd share or pass on? Well. I, I mean, I, I guess certainly um, a, a lot of the the knowledge that we've gained from um, attending workshops, speaking with other farmers, I mean, all of that would have been helpful early on. But um, really, it was kind of to our advantage to be young and ambitious with lots of energy, kind of reckless. Yeah, not know um, what you shouldn't know. Yeah. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss, you know. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. 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 It was, and it, it uh, it's been a really fun uh journey in a way, just uh very satisfying to to learn from your mistakes and and to you know, to to grow and and the the challenge of of trying to do a little better every year, but uh Every year, you you always learn new things. So, and how are your um, 
how are your kids making out? Are they enjoying growing up on the farm? And hear them a bit in the background. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think so. I, uh, it's yeah. I, I mean, there there aren't a lot of other kids out here. Um, but, uh, yeah, there are lots of places to explore and um, things to to learn about and uh, yeah just uh, places to, to ride our bikes too close by that are, are fun so um, yeah I don't know they, they seem reasonably I think they they like it yeah I do they don't, um, oh go ahead Charles oh, I was just gonna say they don't um, participate uh, for too long in any one activity on on the farm you know for working it's um, it's you know it's often kind of boring work but uh, but yeah Oliver's uh, become quite quite a good helper um, at times so and I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> eventually you never know the part I love is your oldest son goes to um, Northport Elementary School right that yeah it is in I think you told me he's in like a combined primary one, two, three class or something. Is that, did I have that yep. right? Yeah. Is that? Yep. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit different than, a little bit different than our daughter at Spring Street in a, yeah. in a much bigger school. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So with farming, one last question kind of, I want to move on to something else, but I'm wondering what's something positive about farming that you've learned that surprised you um well um i've learned uh that uh, plants are very resilient and they want to live <laughs> and uh no matter how much you think you can uh influence them uh they uh they will often kind of surprise you and uh um yeah, they'll produce even under less than ideal conditions. And I think that's, uh, yeah, surprising and pleasingly so. <laughs> Good. How about you, Jesse? Any? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, that's probably in, in the same, in the same boat there. I, yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Plants are incredible. Yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Uh, so I, I want to move on to just sort of talking about local farms, local food production in a second, but I just want to um, just remind anybody listening, uh, if you haven't subscribed, you can subscribe to our uh, email newsletter, tgapod.com slash subscribe, and that way we'll send all the newest and latest episodes directly to your email inbox so that you don't miss any uh, episodes uh, moving forward. So. Uh, so Jesse and Charles, I'm wondering, I saw you are both on, or you both have been on the board of the Nova Scotia Farmers Association and are involved in other local farming and food organizations. So if somebody came to you and said, you know, you know, local farms, it doesn't really matter. We can get our food from wherever it's at the grocery store. What, what do you say, or what do you say to anybody about that? About why local food and local farms are important for our communities? Yeah, well, um, there, there are a number of reasons. <laughs> uh, 
like lo local food production is good for the economy. So if um, like if food, if, if you value that food in your community um, and you spend your money with a local farm that enables that local farm to exist, um, that enables the owners of that farm to keep their jobs, maybe that comes back to you, they, su they support you somehow, and kind of in, in that way, um, you're kind of supporting things in your community who, um, yeah, you, you want to be there and who will also support you. Um, it is good for rural communities. Um, having more local food production preserves agricultural land. Um, it also, um, uh, yeah, uh, improves our food security. Um, if there's a disruption somewhere or a um, pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, one of those would never happen to us. You don't have to worry about this. Never anyway, <laughs> no. I just, for example. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The local uh, food security one is an interesting topic or something to think about. Like, you know, what if we just can't get raspberries from Mexico in the middle of winter? Okay, what can we do? You know? Yeah, we're, we're not going to die or anything. Like, I guess we'll have to have no raspberries in our smoothies, which will be a real drag. Yeah, rutabaga is a fine substitute. You know, if you blend up parsnips, really fine. It's That'll still replace your berries. Yeah. No. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, jokes aside, we we import a lot of our food, and if um, if any of those supply chains were disrupted or you, you know like you're, you're more susceptible to price fluctuations or um, limited um, availability yeah uh, where when you have like a really nice base of local food producers um, that's kind of supplying more of that um, food for people in the community I, I feel that it's much more resilient <laughs> Yeah, rather than rely on on you know one or two sort of um, large chains, uh, supply chains to to bring in your food, if if something happens to them, like it's it's maybe better to have lots of baskets with lots of eggs instead of a few baskets with lots of eggs. That analogy <laughs> that makes sense. I'm on board with you. I'm on board. So. With that, I, I'm curious about, I mean, obviously in farming, one of the struggles is growing the product and that, what about, are there other struggle or challenges with to the farming business different from other businesses, short of producing vegetables? No, I think it's, uh, that we have this, the same challenges as other businesses. There's um, marketing, uh, getting people to buy your product and also, um, competition, uh, other mark, other similar products in the market. Um, so, well, the the main difference is that um, I think, well, I, I suppose for other businesses as well, not not everything is under your control. But um, you know, you're you're kind of 
relying on these external factors that help you to grow your veggies and um, yeah, you never quite know how it's going to, how it's going to go. Yeah. Yeah. They're natural systems that make things grow and produce and it's, you, you often don't have any control over them. So. Uh, are, are, are you talking like natural regular things or are we talking more bigger, like really like climate change? Uh, I guess both. Like you, you can have, um, you know, just on a, on a micro scale, you, you can have um, frost at unusual times. You can have giant windstorms. You can have hail. You can have um, like giant rains, washouts. Um, and then on a, on a macro scale, just with the, um, yeah, with climate change, with increasing um, kind of extreme weather events, you're, you're going to see more of those, um, yeah, more extreme weather events. <laughs> have, have, have either of you noticed it in, um, have either of you, have, have either of you noticed, I guess, changes in weather or changes in our climates like over the last 10 years? I don't think well, there's like, there's enough. In for like yeah, having only done it for ten years, I can't say what it used to be like. But from what my farming older farming neighbors have told me, it's um, it's getting hotter and windier in general. And uh, I, I know Nova Scotia's had um, you know droughts in the nineteen nineties, um, several years of of like no rain all summer. And uh, so that's not super new, but uh, I feel like these uh, these hurricanes uh, uh, that's that's a perhaps a new trend having warmer warmer water warmer warmer oceans and then more wind. Yeah. I say, yeah. No, go ahead, Charles. No, uh, that's that's it. You know, I, I I was asking that question because um, we started construction in 2010, so it's same sort of time frame. And I've noticed in the last three or four years that it almost feels like the construction season is shrinking, like, and because it's like, or it's almost like the weather we should be getting in May we're getting in June, or the April weather we're getting in May. Like everything almost feels like it's a month behind, and it used to be. I would feel very confident in like November weather being okay. But now it's like, it's, it's like mid October and like everything's got to be up and weather tight or, or that's it. Like, and that, and that may just be me. I mean, totally anecdotal, but just like something I kind of feel a little bit different. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. We, we try to have all of our crops out of the field by November 1st because that's when the ground freezes and doesn't freeze. <laughs> <laughs> so I am wondering though, what if somebody else came to you and said, you know, I'm thinking about doing this, thinking about starting or opening up my own organic farm. What would you, yeah, what would you tell them? What would you say? Uh, yeah, well, uh, I'd say that's great. And, um, but that, uh, 
you know, it's, it's different for everybody. Um, every farmer is different and every farmer has a, a different farm because of it. Um, so there's no like, there's no real formula for success. It, it really depends on the person and, and their, their skills and, and desires. So I, I would, uh, I would suggest that they, um, you know, uh, mentor with a, another successful farmer if they haven't already. And, and also, um, yeah, just, uh, yeah, just like what works on another successful farm is not necessarily going to work on your farm. And, um, you should, uh, like connect with other successful farmers, be inspired by their ideas, but, um, you need to kind of test out their, their methods on your farm, maybe maybe adapt them to your different conditions, and um, yeah, that's uh, yeah because they're they're all different. Right. So, how could or how would somebody go about finding a, a farmer mentor? I guess for I don't know if that's an actual term or not, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a uh, well, in, in the Maritimes, there's an organization called ACORN, uh, the Atlantic Canadian Organic Regional Network. They have an office in Sackville, right? That's right. Yep, they do. Um, they could put you, put anyone in touch with a large number of potential um, mentor farmers, I guess. Yeah. yeah. They're, well, they're... Um, uh, they're not operating as usual right right now. They're, so they're yeah they're um, they they're figuring some stuff out. They had some changes in their funding, um, but there are um, yeah there there are also um, and there's an organic association in Nova Scotia. Um, there's one in PEI who puts on a lot of workshops. Good and, organization. And uh, yeah. really, any of the um, the extension programs in in any of the provinces would be able to help uh, guide new farmers to to existing farmers. I think yeah. it's, That's it's not a big world. <laughs> no, I'll put links to a lot of these different organizations in um, some of the show notes. Some of the show notes as well. So we're getting near sort of the end of our time, and I'm sure you're you're busy with the farm and the kids and everything like that. So, but I do want to tell, or I do want to ask, so if there's people out there that go, actually, no, like, I have one other point that I wanted to make about the benefit of buying local, is it just tastes a whole lot better than something shipped from miles away. That's my, that's my plug. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, yeah, thanks, yeah, it certainly can. <laughs> yeah. yeah. typically offer um, weekly veggie baskets. Um, we have two different sizes, uh, uh, half size for approximately two eaters. It really depends on how many vegetables you eat. And then a full size for um, four eaters or two um, enthusiastic vegetable eaters. 
Um, we, we usually sell veggies year round at the Sackville Farmer's Market and uh, with Colleen, we were going to start vending at the Pugwash Market this, this year, um, but neither of the market, uh, well, the, the Sackville Market is working on uh, officially opening up again, um, but uh, yeah, ne neither market is uh, open uh, in an official capacity right now. Um, so we, uh, yeah, we, we started a, an online store and we've been um, selling, we have a limited selection of veggies right now, just um, what we can produce in our greenhouses. Um, but we've been uh, selling through the online store and offering no contact delivery to people in Amherst, Sackville and Pugwash areas. And uh, yeah, we, we also sell um, our veggies to a few small grocery stores and restaurants. And you're also, um, I think we bought some uh, seeds from you as well. Are you still selling some of those or? Yeah, um, yeah, we, we are still selling a few. Um, this is our second year selling um, seeds from Annapolis Seeds. Um, we we grow a couple of seeds for them. Yep. Yeah, we we grow out some some pea seed, uh, and this year we're growing out some. Um, I think it's komat komatsuna. It's called. It's a mustard green, and, and uh, yeah. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, Annapolis Seeds in, in the Valley, Owen Bridge is the proprietor, and uh, yeah, he's a really great guy, and, and uh, yeah, we're happy to resell his, uh, his seeds for him. So if there's anybody out there looking to do a little garden themselves and need some seeds, yeah. you can probably find them on the online store. Um, so just the weekly veggie baskets, you can just do a quick run through on that program, just so people aren't quite sure what it is. Yeah. Sure. So this year, with with the uh, with the uh, um, COVID pandemic, the pandemic, yeah, uh, we'll be doing um, doorstep delivery instead of a, um, a market style pickup. Uh, we used to um, set up uh, behind uh, Simply for Life on Victoria Street uh, every Wednesday afternoon for Amherst. And uh, this year, uh, we are still going to deliver on Wednesdays, but uh, it will be direct to your to your doorstep. Um, just because uh, it will be, uh, it's just a safer method of, of delivery. And uh, yeah, and the, the um, just the the idea with the weekly veggie baskets is that people sign up with us in advance, um, and so they. Uh, Many folks um, uh, either pay us in full or in installments, kind of in advance of the season. That enables us to um, to get the farm going early in the season, when many farms would have to take on um, some personal debt. Um, and uh, in exchange for that kind of commitment to our veggies. Um, we supply customers with a weekly basket of vegetables um, and we 
prioritize the the veggie baskets. So if if we have a limited number of say peas or cherry tomatoes early in the season, they'll they'll go to the veggie baskets before anywhere else. And we also um, give a little discount to the veggie basket customers. And then also through the veggie basket program, people have the opportunity to either sponsor or subsidize baskets for other people who who are in need. Are you doing that program again this year? Yes. Yeah, we we are. Um, yeah, it's called the Cost Share uh, CSA program, and it was started by um, the Ecology Action Center and the Cumberland Food Action Network, um, which now Eat Local Cumberland. Um, but they, um, yeah, their program funding ended. And so this year our firm, um, yeah, we're, we're continuing the program. Um, we're personally um, subsidizing one, um, one, share. one share for the season. And we've uh, invited our customers if they would like to um, make a donation towards yeah to, yeah to, to towards uh subsidizing additional shares um uh, of any amount uh it is helpful and um yeah we've we've really been blown away by the the generosity that many people have have shown who who are able to contribute something to the program and um yeah we we are in good shape to to offer a number of subsidies this year, which is uh, really wonderful. That's perfect. So if there's somebody out there who either wants to sign for the veggie baskets or get in contact, what's the best way for them to do it? Yeah, they can, um, yeah, they can send us an email, uh, give us a call. We, we have a, um, a sign up form on our website. If you go to the weekly veggie baskets on our website, there's a button that takes you to the, the sign up form and there's also a little more information about the veggie baskets. And what's the uh, what's your website address again? Or what's yes, go ahead. Yeah, uh www.wismicalfirm.ca. And I'll put a link to this as well. Firm.ca and eat what's the best email that somebody is looking for that. Uh, the, our email is whismicalfirm at gmail.com. Correct. And our online store is uh, www.localline.ca slash whismical hyphen farm. All right. I'll put a link there as well, whismical-farm. Perfect. Excellent. Thank you both very much for coming on. Um, do you want to have any other last thoughts or any parting comments you would like to share? Yeah. Uh, no. No. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, I look, I look forward to seeing you when the, uh, the veggie boxes start and yeah. I wish you good luck. And again, thank you for letting me learn all about where Brussels sprouts come from and how they grow. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Once again, thank you to Jesse and Charles for coming on the episode and sharing their journey and their story about becoming farmers. Uh, if you enjoyed this and want to hear more local content, 
please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, and that way you'll make sure you don't miss another episode. Uh, So I'll be back next week with another interview. Happy Canada Day, everybody, and enjoy the start of the Atlantic bubble. Take care.